uh, well, almost anybody, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I am just so thrilled, so blessed, so honored to be here. Uh, we have just moved to Colorado Springs, my family, and it feels weird to come back as a guest, you know, <laughs> to the city. But, uh, but it's, it's amazing because it's a new season for us, so I cover your prayers for our family in this new season. It's a season of uh, refreshing. After four years of pastoring and discipling, and, you know, someone said there's no success without a successor. So when we're able to train other people that can take on the ministry, it's, it's actually a, it's a very healthy sign. And we're very, very blessed with the friendship of your pastor and, and the church. And uh, I tell you, uh, your pastor is, uh, is a true Israelite. as a Nathaniel, you know. Very transparent, very uh, uh, beautiful spirit. And since the day we met, there was some kindredship in the spirit that is hard to describe and hard to parallel. So I believe that God uh, destined some friendships and relationships uh, that, are, that are meant to be forever. And that's how I feel about Pastor Richie. He's going to be my friend forever, you know. And, and, and I, I offer that friendship to you as well. So... Uh, that's what's happening to us. We, we're excited. I, I was able to transfer all my credentials as a professional linguist to the state of Colorado. So that was a big blessing too, you know. And, uh, and, and I know that the Lord will continue. And my prayers uh, for you to help me pray would be uh, that the Lord will open doors for the gospel to be preached, you know. Uh, in word and in music, that he will allow us to continue to, extend, uh, to ex expand his kingdom. So... Would you pray for me on that? Thank you. I'll be praying for you guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm shocked to see so many people at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> A Latino church will not function like this, trust me. <laughs> on the one hand, we're always late, you know. Because <laughs> there's something cultural about being late in the Latino because, you know, even in the language we say the clock mark, uh, uh, walks. We don't say the time runs. Time doesn't run in, in Spanish. It, it walks. And that's the reason. That's the reason. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm very, very happy. I'll be sharing the word in a moment. And, uh, and I'd like to show you a song that the Lord gave me. It's, uh, it's funny because it's, uh, it's a very Latino rhythm, but with English lyrics, you know. And I, I don't plan to, I don't intend to, to translate it to Spanish. I love it the way it flows in English. So we're going to learn that song and, and, and then get on the preaching today. And uh, this is uh, it's a wonderful day. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for the privilege of being here.
just love everything about you. I love the wisdom of your ways. I love to call you Abba Father. I love the sweetness of your grace. I just love everything about you. I love the beauty of your face. I love to call you Abba Father. I love your patience and your strength. Lord, I love you. I love you more each
praise the Lord. <laughs> I just missed the percussion there, you know. <laughs> thank you for joining in the rhythm. And, uh, you know, we love him because he first loved us. And uh, I think I can. Yeah, that'll free me up a little bit. Uh, if, if we open our Bibles to Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, we'll read two verses that will set the background for our topic today. I would like to share this message. It's called Our Sufficiency in Christ. Our Sufficiency in Christ. And uh, I was just sharing with Pastor Richie this morning that as we walked in the building and we, we heard the worship team sing a song on <laughs> Jesus is enough, right? Christ is enough. That was an incredible confirmation that this is indeed the word that the Lord has for living grace this morning. I am so honored to, to have this opportunity. We're closing the year 2013, a year that hasn't been easy for a lot of people, including us, you know. But yet, we must remind ourselves that Christ is enough. And why is it that there is a sufficiency in Christ? We're going to learn that today. What is the key? What is the secret of not only grasping the idea of the sufficiency of Christ in my life, but living it out in practical ways? And uh, Colossians 2 Verse 9 and 10 says, For in Him <clears throat> dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him. Can you say that to somebody? You are complete in Him. And then he says, Who is the head of all principality and power. Amen? So I don't know if we, if we have the, the scripture to be able to project that. I think also verse... Verse 10, right? That, that was, was that verse 9? That was ver, verse 9. And then verse 10, I have it only in Spanish. That's why I, I really would need to have it projected if it's possible. If, if not, that's okay. Can you read it, Pastor Richie? Verse, verse 10. Yeah. Okay, so that, that is the two verses together. Okay. He is the rule or the Godhead. Okay. What does it mean to be in him? You know, there is a, about <clears throat> that, that reference of in Christ appears in the New Testament a number of uh, maybe 85 or 87 times. <laughs> when the New Testament tells you something so many times, if you just run a search in your concordance and those modern smartphones, right? <laughs> you put in him, you'll, you'll, show, you'll show you a lot of results in the New Testament. And um, literally, it means to be inside the anointing. Because he is the Christ, the anointed one. It means to live under or immersed the anointed. Hallelujah. If I put my driver's license in my Bible, the driver's license will go anywhere the Bible goes because it's in 
the Bible. If I put it right here, it will go down. If I set it right here, it will be, it will be going there. Because it's in the Bible. When you are in Christ, everywhere he goes, you go. Everything that happens to him happens to you. So if he died on the cross, you die with him on the cross. If you resurrected on the third day, so you did. You resurrected on the third day in the new life that you, re you receive in salvation. If he's ascended into heaven, so that's why the apostle Paul says that we are also ascended into heavenly places. Because we are in Christ. Come on church, let's praise the Lord for that. That we are in Christ and everything that happens to Christ happens to me. Amen. And sufficiency in Christ. You know, knowing that he is the fullness. He dwells, the fullness of the, of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. This is powerful. The apostle John is securing the faith of the believers on the person of Jesus Christ. When he says bodily, the word became flesh. So, uh, what, what, this, that, what he's trying to say is not philosophy, but Christ. It is not philosophy that will save you. No amount of philosophy, ancient or modern, can save you. But Christ can save you in a second. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul is saying you need to be rooted and founded on the sufficiency of Christ because there's no one else like Christ. He is absolutely extraordinary. In every level that you analyze Jesus Christ, even on an anthropological level, there is no man that can even parallel to the greatness and the excellence of Jesus Christ. Can we give him praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, too many people today accept this idea of a, the new age idea of God is kind of impersonal blob of energy floating in the universe. There's no God at all. That's not the God of the Bible. God is absolutely personal. So personal that he became, he became a, a baby in the manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. So personal that his name is, that, that he, he called himself the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, right? Because he works with us in personal relationship and in covenant. So not, not philosophy, but Christ. You know, uh, I would like to share a little testimony. When I was just getting to know the power of the gospel, uh, I was a traditional Catholic in a Catholic school in El Salvador. I'm originally from El Salvador. And I'll tell you my, my testimony. I try to do it in one and a half minute because I think, I think we need to be able to tell our testimony in one and a half minute or two. That's all the, the time we have with some people, you know. But uh, we were a well-to-do, uh, middle-class Catholic family in El Salvador. My dad was in the military. He was a politician. He was an engineer, a professor of physics. By the way, he has a Ph.D. in nuclear physics, highly educated. Um, you know, we, we lived a very, very uh, affluent life in El Salvador, and yet uh, we were miserable as misery can be. <laughs> because when there is no Jesus, no Christ, you live in darkness, even if you have a chauffeur and five maids. Christ is the greatest wealth and the greatest riches and the greatest treasure in life. 
Aleluya. And you know, um, I used to have all the toys, but I didn't have the joy to enjoy them. I used to have all the toys and all the amenities that a young man my age could have, but my dad's alcoholism and their constant bickering and fighting with my mom, they were always talking about divorce. They never got divorced, but you know, anyways, that was like the appetizer for lunch, you know, their talk of divorce. And um, it, it, was, uh, it was a very dark life without Jesus. But I remember... One day, my brother came, came back from a retreat where the brother or the priest or the pastor who was preaching, he said, there's a lot of young old people here. And my brother said to himself, you're the only old one here. <laughs> but then he went to explain. Let me, allow, let me explain to you guys. Young old, I mean that you are young outside, but you're old inside. You have no wrinkles in your face, but you have wrinkles in your soul. You have tried everything. Drugs, sex, violence, gangs, whatever, money, whatever, education. And nothing can fill the void of the human heart except the very creator of the heart. Amen? And then he said, I will introduce you to someone that can make you a, a new young man. A new young person. And, and that's why my brother became a Christian. I remember the day that he came back from that retreat. He had this, this light in his eyes. He has this huge smile. I mean, we were bittered, young men. Bitter. I was a 15-year-old that you would not want to get near me. I was into karate. I could break teeth and legs and everything, you know. I was so violent. All the violence that my dad had planted in us, I expressed it in other, other ways. I love weapons. I was, I was a dangerous kid, man. Dangerous kid, you know. And when I saw my brother with this huge smile, even a tooth that I had never seen, because his smile had grown so, so I go, what's wrong with you? They, they brainwash you. And, and I go, it's just going to go away. It just never went away. He's also a pastor. You know, he's also a missionary. But three months later, sure enough, I said, whatever beat you, brother, you know, whatever, whatever stung you, I, I need that. <laughs> whatever you got, I need it because I'm poor and miserable. And I remember the day when I just simply opened my heart to Jesus and I felt that waterfall of pure love from heaven just wash me. And I knew that there was a living God because the moment, the, the second after that prayer, I could see my dad with different eyes. I don't know how I even planted a big kiss on, on his bald head. He was even shocked. He goes, what's going on? I don't know that. I just love you now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There is a, a Jesus that changes hearts. There is a God that can change your life. This is, a, this is an, a, the free offer of the gospel for all of us. But I remember one day, and talking about not philosophy, but Christ. One day, we went to meet some prophets in El Salvador. These men and women of God, they prayed like six, eight hours a day. They had these prophetic gifts so keen and sharp that they would they would hear an, uh, they had an audible gift of prophecy audible voice gift of prophecy scary gift because it would tell you dates names everything you know it was like whoa you really had to be walking straight to go in there and pray you know because man so uh, we went to meet these people and one of these ladies a very holy uh, old lady of just beautiful lady of god 
she saw that we were in a in a pickup truck that had no uh, no cover, you know, just the the pickup uh, the bed of the pickup, and my mom, my mom's friend and the chauffeur were in the in the cabin of the of the truck, and she saw that a, a big tropical Central American storm was about to break, you know. When it rains there, it pours. I mean, it pours, you know. And and she and she went. Where are the the boys gonna go? My brother and I. We were just like brand new Christians, you know. But we we had all this philosophical, rationalistic uh, mentality or worldview, and uh, and she, and my mom said, "Well, they're gonna go in the back." And she was looking at the sky; it was about to start a big storm, you know. So she lifted her hand and said, "Papa, let them not get wet." And I go, "Oh, okay, you know, that's nice." <laughs> but the first thing we did, we went and bought a big tarp, plastic tarp, so that when the storm would come in the highway we would cover ourselves immediately and that's exactly what we did you know um big storm breaks and we sure enough we cover ourselves and we're going like 55 miles in the freeway uh from santa ana to san salvador it's like an hour drive and uh i was uh 17 my brother was like 19 and we were just brand new believers you know we did not believe we did not know anything about the supernatural or anything like that but i kid you not about 30 seconds passed by we're hearing the storm we're covered under this tarp and we hear no drops on the plastic right and we go what is what is it going on so we slowly uncover ourselves and sure enough there's a huge storm going on around us but we're dry in the pickup, in, in the bed of the pickup, the, you know, open. We go, what is going on here? You know, the windshield going full blast, like that. And we're dry. My feet are dry. My shoes. I take out my hand like that. I get wet. I bring it back in, and I don't get wet anymore. And so I thought to myself, hmm, it's got to be some kind of law of thermodynamics here. Maybe it is the force of wind, the speed, you know, the angle that we're going. And the moment I was thinking that, another pickup truck passes us by with five people. They're soaked like little chickens under the rain. They were soaked, soaked, completely wet. And at that moment, my brother just went on his knees, and I went on my knees. And we remember the prayer of that holy lady, Papa, let them not get wet. So I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe there was an angel there flying with an umbrella all the time. But I tell you, that day, the chauffeur, he was going like that. He was really scared. My mom, you know how moms and grandmas are. Cover yourself. You're going to get sick. And we go, he's not falling on us. And so he was perplexed. The moment he got out, he went on his knees and said, pray for me. I'm a drunker. I'm a wife beater. I need Jesus in my life. He became a Christian that same day. Hallelujah. Woo. Not philosophy, not rationalism, but Christ. I have seen the miracles of the Lord. Not religion, but Christ, you know. And I, I used to be a very good Catholic, getting A in religion, confession, conf doing confession every Thursday. Communion every Friday, sinning all weekend, all the weekend. And, and then I was offended by a, a question that a Christian friend of mine asked me 
frequently. He said, Reuben, if you die today, well, where, will, where would you go? Hell or heaven? And it bothered me because I didn't have a sure answer. <laughs> I said, it depends, man. If it gets me on a Thursday, I might make it. <laughs> but if I die on the weekend, I know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> and I, I remember the assurance that this friend of mine had. He said, I know if I die any day, I go to heaven because it's not, it does not rely on me, but on the work of Jesus Christ. And uh, now I understand him, you know. But uh, it is not religion, my friend. It is not philosophy, but Christ, the sufficiency of Christ. Not even formulas. The Pharisees were utterly confused with the miracles of Jesus because they could not figure out the formula. One day he would spit on somebody. <laughs> Another day he would just say the word. Another day he would just say, go wash your face or go, or go, go to the priests. And basically, there's no way we can box God's creativity. The way he moves is free as the wind. Amen? And there is not, no, not a formula. And so... Christ, Christ, and uh, even, even when we pray for the sick, which I really don't like to say pray for the sick, which, because it's only one occurrence in the Bible, in the book of James, that says to pray for the sick. Most of the occurrences say heal the sick. It is assuming that we have the power in Christ to heal the sick. Amen? Jesus didn't pray for the sick. He just healed them. Praise the Lord. He just healed them. He just laid hands on them. Amen? And you know, but there's formulas that people use, you know. Here comes someone who is sick, and the Pentecostals got to shake a little. And pray in tongues. You know? Shoot about a Honda, shoot about a Honda, shoot about a Honda. And then they warm up in 30 minutes of prayer, and by that time, the, the poor sick guy just died. You don't need those kind of for those are learned formulas from religion. Just lay the hands and speak to the illness and, and declare it healed in Jesus' name by the power of the blood. Amen. Let's give him let's give him a hand for that. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, and the and the Baptists say, Lord, give all the wisdom to the doctors. Or the Catholics will say, Son. You got to go to confession. You know, so we don't need those formulas. I, I would like to have you go to John 19, 33. And um, this is going to be fun to go to these verses. Because John is the beloved disciple. He is the man of deep insight into love. He is the one that was able to lay on Jesus' chest. The only and the youngest disciple and the only one that never died a violent death of all the twelve. And, and, and there's no surprise why John in his epistles writes so much and so deeply about love. About, you know, the, just the, the way he speaks, beloved or uh, little, little ones, you know. It's like a father speaking to us. So he saw something. And he says, we see, uh, he, he says in, in, in John 19, 33, um, 
But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Let's go to 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear, can you say it with me? Pierced his side. And forthwith came what? Came out blood and water. Can we see, can we see the next verse? I think John now testifies. Um, and he that saw it bear record. This is John because John was there with Mary and the women. John was the only one at the cross. And his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. You know, there's something that he says in the next verse that it confirms a prophetic word. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. I, a bone of him shall not be broken. So here we have three important things. Water and blood coming out of Jesus' heart. It was a way of the Roman soldiers who were experts in execution to prove that he was dead before they broke any bone. But the not breaking of his bones was a prophetic fulfillment. They were not going to break a bone because there were at least three elements of the, of the Passover lamb. It had to be perfect. It had to be, there were four actually. Perfect meaning no, no defect. Blameless. Okay? It had to be a male. It had to be a firstborn. And it had to be no broken bones. If the high priest would break a bone in the sacrificial lamb, it would be no good. He would have to start all over again. And Jesus fulfilled perfectly the four elements of the sacrificial lamb of God. Hallelujah! No, bro no bone were broken because, because we are his bones. And we are flesh of his flesh and bone of it. We are the body of Christ. And it means that we are unbreakable. Hallelujah. It means today for you that you are made of unbreakable material. Can you give praise to the Lord for that? It means because you are in Christ and you are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. You are unbreakable. You can bend, but you won't break. Amen. Can you tell that to somebody? You are unbreakable. You are unbreakable because you are in Christ, you know. But I'd like to call your attention to the water and the blood. The water, we know, is a reference to the Word. He said, you are washed because of the washing of the Word. By the words I've spoken to you, you are washed. It's the reference of us. We are hearing the Word, meditating the Word, preaching the Word, teaching the Word, meditating, you know, practicing the Word, singing the Word, counseling the Word. We are being washed because the Word is such a pure river of truth that washes all of our hearts but the blood that came out of jesus from his heart and from his veins is that river of salvation let me just tell you i don't have enough time to tell you if we go to back to verse 34 i believe or 30 yeah where it says blood and water um the blood of jesus is the topic of most theological and Christian doctrines, you know, if not all of them. <laughs> I mean, talk about redemption. It's the blood, meaning we were bought by a price. Propitiation. It means that the blood paid a price to appease 
and to satisfy the righteousness of God. Justification is a legal declaration because somebody paid the penalty of death and the blood of Jesus allowed us that justification that the Father can declare us justified. Like, like saying, go in peace. Somebody else took your sentence. Amen. You know, reconciliation, sanctification, even intercession. How many of you are intercessors here? Love to pray. Okay? Even intercession is packed in the blood because it says that the blood of Christ cries out better than Abel's. Abel's blood cried for vengeance. Christ's blood cried for mercy and forgiveness. Regeneration, remission. I like to illustrate. I mean, there's so many. There's just, just so much in the blood that I like to say it this way. Everything that I need is in the blood of Christ. Everything that you need is in the blood of Christ. Everything that your family needs is in the blood. Everything that the city of Las Vegas needs and the world is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it embodies the life of God. You know, the life of an animal means the, the blood of an animal means the life of an animal. That's why it's, it's, it's a higher crime to kill a man because the, li- the blood of a man represents the life of a man. But what does the blood of Jesus Christ represent? It represents the life of God. Because His blood was absolutely unique. It was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in a virgin womb, in Mary. And His blood is absolutely unique. In the Old Testament, the blood of innocent lambs covered. Can you say, can you do it like that with me? It covered. It covered. Okay? Here was the sin, and the blood would cover. It would put a veil of innocence. So God would no longer see the sin. But the veil of innocence. But not, that's not the case in Jesus, with Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood doesn't just cover. It blots it out. It cleanses it. It erases it. Because it's not just innocent blood. It is blood packed with righteousness. Can we give the Lord a big praise for that? Amen? So when you say, I believe in the blood of Jesus you are actually grasping the righteousness and the life of God for yourself. It should be a lifestyle for every one of us to say, I believe in the blood of Jesus. It should be a way of living. This is the way our sufficiency in Christ becomes very practical. When you say, I believe in the power of the blood. I live under the power of the blood. If you sin, my brother, my sister... There is power in the blood to cleanse you again and again and again. The blood once shed is the blood that you can always sprinkle upon your life, upon your family. Amen? It is protection. It is deliverance. It's amazing. It is amazing. And so I would just like to illustrate. um, I'm going to ask Pastor Richie to. To do a little illustration. I know he likes illustrations, so I thought I, I gotta have an illustration today. <laughs> and we're about can you can you throw me that uh, that bottle when I tell you, okay, when I tell you. So suppose that Richie and I just had a big argument, okay, and uh and uh, and I felt offended. Okay, now you can throw it. Oh, 
know, and that's the offense, you know. Oh, you know, that's exactly what happens when we have trouble in our relationship, right? Somebody offends you and, oh, this, this is just an illustration. We're really good friends, okay? Okay, but this is what a lot of people do. Oh, I remember what this brother did to me. And it hurts more, you know. And every time they remember, some people remember their offenses so well. I remember in 1931, yeah, 7.14 p.m., you, you insulted me. Yeah, I remember. You were wearing a red shirt that day. They, don't, they remember exactly and perfectly every offense, every um, hurt or wound. But there's a trap in every offense. There is a drink, there is a, there is a part of that offense, which is the very character of the offender or the, or the aggressor, which is called bitterness. And many people don't realize that by not forgiving, they're drinking the bitterness of the very offender. Uh, every time they remember... Depressed, and they remember, and they relive it, and they recount it. That's not the Christian way. I'll tell you what the Christian way is. So, so you do it again, brother. All right. There was something that was like offensive. All right, it, it hit me, but I refused to open it. I remit it to the cross, where it belongs. That's what remission means. I cast it away. I lay it aside. All the bitterness of the world and all the offenses of the world do not belong in your heart, my brother. They belong. They belong in the cross of Jesus Christ. He took it upon himself so that you won't have to carry it any longer. Can you say praise God for that? Amen. So we're about to close. Just to finish with this. Seven wounds. Say with me. Seven wounds. Count it with me. The crown of thorns, one wound in his, his head. The two hands, that goes three, right? His two feet, although more than likely they were pierced together, it still makes two more wounds, correct? So two hands, two feet, the head, that's five. Number six, his back. It was shattered. That was like, I mean, how, what's the word for that? Uh, shredded. That's the word I, look, I was looking for, you know, by, by the, the 39 whippings, you know. He says by his, by his wound, by his stripes, we were healed. And then the last one, the pierce, the, the piercing of his heart to the, to the spear. Seven wounds. The number of perfection. The number of completion. The number of sufficiency. Seven wounds of our master. Talks about the sufficiency of Christ. Healing and sanctification for our thoughts. Healing and sanctification to our work. Healing and sanctification to our walk. Healing and sanctification 
to our body in healing and sanctification to our hearts. Do you see the sufficiency of Christ? Seven wounds. The healer was wounded with seven wounds so that you can appropriate to yourself complete and wholesome restoration and healing in your life. This is why we love Jesus. And this is a way to end this 2013 saying, Lord, we are sufficient in you. And we have what Las Vegas needs. We have the power of the blood resident in the church of Jesus, in the body of Christ, just like physical body, the physical body has physical blood. The spiritual body has the, the blood of, of Christ. And that's why when, when you begin to connect with the church, you connect with a life group, you connect, you connect with a discipleship group, a prayer group, you go, what's going on? I know of people that started just connecting with a, with a cell group. This, this couple were about to get divorced. They used to actually be violent with each other. The lady was as dangerous as the guy. You know, and they started coming to this cell and they go, what's going on? We're healing. We're not arguing anymore. What's, what's happening? We, we feel tender to each other. We feel love for one another. Nobody pray for them. Nobody counsel them. Well, they connected to the body where the blood flows. Hallelujah. And the blood was cleansing them. The blood was changing them. The blood of Christ was transforming them. So church. We have what the world needs. And you can live under the power of the blood of Jesus every single day. Can you grab somebody's hand as we close in prayer? Thank you for your patience. I know normally you don't go this long. But <laughs> so just say with me, I, I, I declare the power of the blood in my life and upon your life and our families. And as a church family, we are a storehouse with a living organism with that blood and grace flows out to the nation, to the city, to the needy, rich and poor, black or white, Latino or non-Latino. <laughs> Everyone needs the touch of the blood. And I receive right now healing in every part of my body, my mind, my emotions, my walk, my work, my ministry, my family, all that I am, all that I have under the power of the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.